0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. On the dispute and controversy over the messianism, the uh, focus on Mashiach within the Chabad movement. So you you should know, this is another one of those topics, which we could spend um, a number of classes on, and barely touch on the subject, because every point within this needs its own class. So, for example, what is Mashiach? What is Mashiach? So, you can have a whole series of, of classes discussing what, who, why, where, you know, and all of that. A- and this ca- class kind of ignores all that, skips over all that, and goes straight to the assumption, f- focused on the Rambam, who says that one of the 13 principles of faith. One of the Shlosha Shlosha Ikarim is Ani Ma'min Bemunashulema, the Hamashiach, Mamea, That's the language of the animamin. If you don't know it from the Siddur, you know it from all the songs. Right? But but basically there's a declaration of I believe What's the Munashlemah. What's a Munashlema?
1: Yeah, whatever that means.
0: Bevi'at Mashiach. It's very vague, right? Mashiach, and the coming of Mashiach. Because you can't believe as a tenant of your faith any more than that as we'll see, because we don't really know much more than that. Just that there will be a Mashiach and then for some reason we add So even though there's a um, it's Taken so long, achakelo b'chol yom shiavo. What does that mean, achakelo b'chol yom shiavo? That means that every single day you have to be wait for Mashiach. The Talmud tells us that when a person leaves this world and they go up to the next world, there there is a test that we're all going to have to go through. We shouldn't. Uh, but the Talmud tells us about the six questions that you will be asked before you're asked any other questions. So question number one will be, were you honest and faithful in
1: business?
0: That's question number one. Business. Yeah, That's the first question that they ask you about your honesty in business. This is what it says in the Talmud. The second question they ask you is kavata itim Torah. did you establish time for studying Torah? The third question they ask you is asakta did you involve yourself in procreation? It's interesting. They don't ask you if you had children because not everyone is meant to have children, right? but but you have to be involved in the procreation of the world, which can be done in many ways. And then the fourth question is tzipita liYeshua Did you await for the salvation? And and, asakta bepriya revia. Okay. Now the fifth and sixth questions are too complicated to discuss now, but I'll just mention them because you can't leave a list unfinished. So they are hevanta davar mitoch davar and pilpalta bechachma, whatever that means. but uh, did you understand one thing from within another thing? And did you delve deeply into wisdom? Okay, now exactly what those last two refer to as different opinions, whatever, that's, that would take the rest of our class. So let's, let's just move on. Okay, so, but one of those is Tzipita yeshua which is why in many Sidurim, especially amongst the Sephardic Sidurim, that they are a little more... Uh, comfortable writing spiritual concepts in their Sidur, so when, they, when it comes to the part of the prayer, when they say ki ki vinu kol there is a little insertion that says, here you should think about the Yeshua that's a um, that, that's because there's an obligation to wait for Michelle. the question is, how much time how much effort how much of my day, how much of my mind is occupied by the concept of Mashiach and the Tzipita Yeshua. So throughout our years and throughout our, our history and in different eras and different places and different people, there's been different kinds of emphasis on the concept of Mashiach. If you look in the Talmud, the Talmud has pages and pages of 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 the tzaddikim of 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 chachamenu zehronam levracha who are talking about Mashiach, what it's going to look like, how you know when he's coming, these discussions. And, one of the, and the rabbis also express in the Talmud, the pages of it, where they express their desire to see the coming of Mashiach, and for what purpose. And, and uh, some of them have very positive viewpoints on the days of Mashiach. Some of them have a little bit of a scary viewpoint of the, of the days. But there's a lot of discussion in the Talmud. And therefore it became sort of part of the story of the Jewish people that as much as we identify as being in Galut we also recognize that at any moment we can go out of Galut and the process of going out of Galut is through this Mashiach figure who we're told in the Navi and in the words of our sages who is going to be this great person who is going to redeem us and so we are always the Jewish people are always waiting for him to show up. And what happens after a lot of time goes by? The Jewish people were sent into Galut in the year 70. That's a two-digit number. We are in four-digit numbers right now. Uh, it's, it's been a long time. So after, after a certain amount of time if you look in the writings of the medieval commentators in the 11th and 12th century they were all saying hazman kvar higia." it's been too long a thousand years ago they said it's been too long it's interesting because in the Talmud which is only a few hundred years after one of these sages in the Talmud says kvar kalu kala kitzim in other words it's all, all the times have passed, all the signs have passed Uh, to me it's very interesting when people say, look, this is happening in the world it's a sign that Mashiach is coming you've heard this, right? Mashiach is coming so, you have to be careful and that's part of what we're going to talk about what do we mean? what do we mean by that? meaning that this is it you know for sure this is it The, the Talmud tells us that they already had these signs back 1500 years ago so, so, so what does that mean? So it means that this is like a good time, so you're getting yourself excited, but that excitement comes with a danger. In as much as we had years and years and years of the Jewish people waiting for Mashiach and hoping for Mashiach and talking about Mashiach, whenever things got really bad for us, this became an even stronger um, a point of focus for the Jewish people. It became almost a consolation where, where the coming of Mashiach is what's going to save us from the troubles and the difficulties that we're going through right now. And so it became this, this place of comfort. But with that comes the danger of, of people trying to do what our sages refer to as being which is to push um, um, for, for a world of Mashiach which starts off with a very strange phenomenon now obviously we're, we're not going there but, but in those times we had the concept of Mashiach Shekhar, which were individuals who would declare themselves to be the Mashiach now what, what is going through their minds what is going through the mind of someone who declares themselves to be a Mashiach Sheker so, you have in some cases, you have people who are just insane, right? you have unhealthy people who believe that they can fly and they flap their arms going off a building and they fly for about a half a second. So, you have people who are, who are crazy, but you also have people who are deluded sort of in themselves. Now, this is obviously not where we're going. That's the worst place that it goes. And if you remember, we talked about this a little bit in, when we talked about Rabbi Yaakov Emden and Rabbi Yonatan Ibishitz, we talked about the concept of the Mashiach Sheker, the most famous example being that of Shabtai Tzvi. But one of the results of that, the worst incident of a Mashiach Sheker that we've ever had, worse than Bar Kokhob, is the story of Shabtai Tzvi. What came out of that is a shift in the way that Jews started to look at individuals or situations that declared themselves as, as that of Mashiach. There was a suspicion that sort of came up with every time someone mentioned the concept of Mashiach because we're so frightened of someone bringing back a Mashiach Sheker that, that we, we, we want to avoid that at all costs because we realize the dangers that came as we discussed it then the Jewish people were so excited because it wasn't just that they believed Mashiach has been identified they believed Mashiach Kvar higiah he's already here and, and that was very, very extremely destructive for the Jewish people which is why when the Hasidim come along a hundred years later the Baal Shem Tov especially with an emphasis on messianism and bringing mashiach that was one of the points that the what they were called then mitnagdim those who opposed the hasidic movement that was one of their issues was all this messianism is a proof that all this spiritual fervor and excitement and passion is just another mashiach sheker that's kind of what they saw and, and this is especially um, be, because the Hasidim did emphasize very much um, the concept of Mashiach. Furthermore, the Baal Shem Tov told us that he met Mashiach. He met Mashiach. And he asked him, mar? which is Aramaic for when are you coming? and the reason why he speaks to him in Aramaic is because Valshantov well, is not the first one but in the Talmud the Talmud tells us that one of the rabbis met Mashiach and he said to him, when are you coming? and he said, Hayom so he got really excited and, 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 the, and the, the next day he met Eliyahu Hanavi this Sadiq, and he says to him, Mashiach is a shakran he's a liar he said, why? He said, I asked him when he's coming, and he said, Hayom. He said, you didn't understand him. What he said was, Hayom im bekolot That's a pasuk in the Torah. Now, Mashiach wasn't playing games, right? What Mashiach was saying was, Hayom, meaning I could come today. There is no, there is no, I, I'm scheduled, you know, on my calendar, it says, go save the Jewish people on, on next 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 Thursday. It doesn't say that. It's every day when we do Teshuvah. So when he asks him, when are you coming? So he says, Hayom, I'm coming today. If it's not today, then hopefully it's tomorrow. If it's not then... So the Balsham Tov meets Mashiach, and he asks him, "Emataika Atimar, he says to him, Mishia Futsu Mayanatecha Chutza. When your wellsprings will spread outward. Meaning that part of the preparation for the coming of Mashiach is for every single person to have a greater connection to spirituality. Because the world of Mashiach, according to the Val Shem Tov, is a world where everyone has a deeper connection to what's real where people are less focused like in our world today on physicality and, 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 and materialism and indulgence and people become much more about you know, love and fear and awe and reverence and passion and, and, and service and, and all these ethereal concepts so, and that's what the Baal Shem Tov was teaching in fact the Baal Shem Tov was teaching this not just to people who were not religious but even to the religious, because even very religious people, I'm sure you've met some of the very few religious people, very few, who their religion, it's, it's all like machine technical actions, this you can do, this you can't do, but you, you don't see the soul and the heart behind it. And, and it, it can sometimes turn people off when they see that, it's it just like someone's just following a rule book of life, and, and there, there's no deeper meaning behind it so that's what the Baal Shem Tov was coming to change so Mashiach said to him this is what we're told, this is our tradition Mashiach says to him when your teachings will spread outward and they will be all over the Jewish community that's when Mashiach will come
1: just after we study Machlokot even if the words of the Baal Shem Tov will spread you know there will be machlokot of the Gawani Vilna that hates
0: the Baal Shem Tov and they won't accept the Messiah right, right, yeah it's, it's, it's incredible how in, here you have someone who believes the Baal Shem Tov, he sees a void in the Jewish people right? he sees that all there are thousands and thousands of people who are serving God with their brains, but not with their hearts and he wants to improve things, he wants to make things better, he wants to inspire people to have more passion and spirit in their service of God again, this is the Baal perspective from the Vilna perspective there was nothing missing, he had what he considered to be heart, maybe other people, the the Vilna certainly he himself, so he wouldn't wouldn't have agreed with the Baal but the fact that a machlokit comes as you're pointing out, is really just shows you how fractured we are that even when someone is trying to start a movement for positivity, there's so much suspicion, and and and, and uh, what's a better word than that? Um, there's so much antagonism to towards this that that it just it, it breaks us even more instead of fixing us more. And hopefully, we'll, as we as we get into this the Chabad story which is different than all the other stories, as we'll see, that's probably the, uh, an even better example of how the fracturing of, of who we are and what we are causes more damage than any of the actual criticisms being presented against one of the sides. In other words, if the Baal Shantav is upset because people are not using their hearts in, in their prayers, worse than that is when people are using their fists. Right. So, okay. So, so um, now I'm gonna skip over another subject, which is a very, very big subject, very big, which is the Hasidic movement and how it starts from the Balshemtor to the Maggid of the Maggid of Mezrich, and then from the Maggid of Mezrich it kind of branches off. The main path is the th- is from the um, primary student of the Maggid of Mezrich, Rabbi Lomelch of Leziansk. That's the main path. But a side path is that of Reb Shneir Zalman Aliadi, the Admor Hazakain, the Alta Rebbe, the first Lubavitch Rebbe. He's one of the branches of Hasidus. And to exactly define all the different groups of Hasidim, where they go, um, is, again, too much for us. And, and we're going to ignore 90% of the Hasidic world. And just go straight to this little branch of the Admor HaZakeh and the Labavitcher Rebbe, again, one out of a hundred or a thousand, depending on how you divide it, different Hasidic groups. Shneir Zaman of Liadi, a great Tzaddik, a great Talmud Chacham, he starts this movement. Now, the movement, interestingly enough, is a movement called Chabad. Chabad is um usually hasidic move, um, hasidic groups are named after the city that they're from so the satmar hasidim are from satumare in romania the um bells hasidim are from bells in what was then galicia and um, you know, the Babov hasidim are from Babov, the, the Hasidim, the, right? So the Hasidim themselves are all American, but today, but but it means that's where they originally came and from. Where
1: are it's uh, well,
0: it, it, a well, it's that's a a suburb of Warsaw. They're they're basically from Warsaw, um, Poland. Right? That's why, unfortunately, that particular Hasidus suffered so much in the war because they were central but he central them Poland. To go
1: to it's the largest yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, the. Um, the only one that
1: allowed.
0: Yeah, well, there were a few, but yeah, one one of the but big I ones. Yeah. So, so, and so we're again we're walking away from all that and just going down to the the first Lubavitch rabbi. Of course, he wasn't in Lubavitch It was it was the future. Um, they, they would move to Lubavitch He was in in the Adi, but um, eventually and they became so. But their philosophy was called Chabad which stands for Chachma, Bina and Da'at now why their philosophy is named Chabad would be a long Kabbalistic discussion and we can't get into that but we'll just say that their emphasis was on every individual becoming deeply knowledgeable in the secrets of the Torah To the point where one of the other Hasidic rebbe's said about the Balatanya, the first Lubavitch Rebbe, said to him, you are giving dynamite sticks to every man, woman, and child. He didn't use the word dynamite sticks, but he said you're giving bombs. But you're giving dynamite sticks into the hands of every man, woman, and child. Because this is complicated concepts, and you want regular people to learn the deepest secrets of Kabbalah. And that's why you'll see in in Chabad they do, they teach Kabbalah to everyone because they are under the understanding that the deeper secrets of the Torah are for everyone in the final generations of Ikvata, the Mashiach, of the footsteps of Mashiach. And because we're at the footsteps of Mashiach, so there again you could see how the whole movement has this emphasis of what the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the most recent one, would refer to uh, his father-in-law to, ot, at, at kumt Mashiach which is a Yiddish expression for any moment any second now. Yeah, any second now so this would be further advanced as the Jewish people would go through big struggles in Europe as the world changed the world changed. Remember, that at the time of the Hasidic movement, we're talking here 1750, 1760, 1770, the American Revolution, the French Revolution, Enlightenment. The, the world is changing and changing so quickly. The Industrial Revolution. All of this is seen as a sign of the coming of Mashiach to the point where the Riyat, the Friediger Rebbe, um, uh, Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson of Lubavitch, he said that, that everything's already done all the preparations for Mashiach are here. Mendav Nor puts in the kneploch. That's what he said, which means that when a soldier in the Russian army, when he um, when he gets himself uh, dressed and prepared, everything has to be right. The angle of the hat, the the the, the this that. The last thing he has to do is puts in the kneploch, which means to polish his buttons. Yeah. You should be able to. The, your your officer has to be able to see himself in the mirror by looking at your buttons. And, of course, he said this before the Holocaust. And one of the great rebbes said about the Riyads. He said, I've never seen such big buttons in my life. All right, if the Holocaust is put in the knaploch, you know. that's um, so. So obviously, w- what's happening here is this struggle between those who are saying Mashiach Mashiach is coming, and the other ones are saying, "Oh yeah, well, explain what's happening." In other words, you're getting yourself so excited and creating so much fervor that you're going to create problems. All right, I'm, I'm I, I got to move a little faster. This all shifts and really comes to a head when the Ramanach Mendel Schneerson takes over. Um, at the helm of of the Lubavitch Hasidus again avoiding the discussion of his biography which is very interesting there have been a number of great works that have been done on his life some with a little more positive spin some with a little more negative spin but uh, um, but everyone agrees that this was a great man who accomplished great things uh, but well I shouldn't say everyone agrees on that either ok so so but he, he, he ignoring the biography aspect and, and the controversies involved in him becoming Rebbe it was very clear once he became Rebbe that his emphasis was going to be on, on bringing the Geula on bringing the redemption on the other side of the world in Bnei Barak in the yeshiva of Panovich was the biggest rosh yeshiva in the world Rav Elazar, Menachem, Man, Shach. Now, Rav Shach, I, I cannot emphasize enough how just purely brilliant he was in terms of his intellectual ability. It doesn't take away from his righteousness and his Torah at all, right? I'm not, I'm not diminishing that. But he was extremely shrewd and clever to the point, but well, I want you to understand that there's, there's something great about being able to understand the situation and being able to point to, you know, the exact issue in a situation. Sometimes you see it as like a whole complicated, and the person can find that one point. What's even more interesting is when someone can do this before the situation. Rav Shach, from when he became the, from when the Lubavitcher Rebbe became the Rebbe, said, I have a feeling, he didn't say I have a feeling, but I'm making it a little bit less, that he's going to be a Mashiach Sheker. That, that's, that's what he said.
1: When did he say it?
0: All the way back in the beginning. So, now... 1951? Yeah, all the way back in the 50s. I mean, this was... Uh, he, he, he sort of... And that's part of what drove Again, I, I want to make this clear. I am not of the position that the Lubavitcher Rebbe was a Mashiach Sheker. Right? That's, that's a big accusation to make. And hopefully I'll get into the technicalities of it. Um, certainly not my position. But it was his position, that's for sure. But he, he took that position before any of these major events would happen. He said, I, just, I can tell. I can tell from the situation, the, the, from the way it is, And so the fact that he called it before made it much more convincing to the opponents of the Labavitcher Rebbe that that's where he was going, right? So sometimes these statements can kind of drive it. Now, the Labavitcher Rebbe was not looking, never declared himself to be Mashiach. Never. It's a mistake um, and a a false accusation levied against him. He never declared himself to be Mashiach. Um, Now, was he Mashiach or wasn't he Mashiach? Hopefully we'll have time to talk about it, but 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 certainly he never said he was, and that's very very important because unfortunately what people do is they make comparisons, the the enemies of Chabad they make comparisons Chas to to different religions and, and they make comparisons to the false messiahs that we've had in the past to the to Tzvi and to the and it's a mistake because number one. People do this. I, I, it, it, sometimes it's very frustrating. But people do this so often. Is They'll take one situation and they'll say that situation is like that situation. Two situations are not alike and there's no reason to compare them. You can say it has similarities to that other situation. But it's no different than when you and your friends are talking and you do something bad and that person says, you know, this is exactly like that time that you did this and this to me. First of all, it's nothing like that time. And number one, why are you bringing it up? Right? Why is that important? It's because you want to... Right? So in this case, because we want to emphasize, or these people, they want to emphasize how much they disagree with Chabad, that they have to use these terms um, that are meant to... And that's part of what creates Machloket. Part of what creates Machloket is when we can't talk to each other in, because... You know, part of the reason why we use hyperbole, we use strong words, we go to extremes, is because we don't think the other person is listening or accepting our words. So we have to push. And this, this so this is what happens here.
1: So what did Rav Shach say were the indicators when uh, Schneerson arose that made him feel that... So I'll,
0: I'll, give, you, I'll he he give you an example. I, I, this, is this, 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 is, this is a big topic, right? So I'm... I'm I'm uh, trying to move through, but I'll, I'll give you one example. One example which I think should do it. I think this example should do it. The Rebbe gave a famous sicha where it says, Yisrael Rama." It says in the Torah, which the Targum translates that the Jewish people went out Rama, which means with God's strong hand. The Targum translates that as Bereish Galay. Which is very difficult to translate to Aramaic, but Beresh means at the head of, and Gale is revelation, Magilu. So, so said, so said the Rebbe. What does this mean? He said that it's referring to the future redemption, that the future redemption is going to come. What did the Bal Shem Tov say? Mashiach said, "Mishiofutzu mayonatachachutzah." When chasidus, chasidus. Right? You say hasidut but they say Chassidus. When Chassidus will spread throughout the world. The word Beresh, Bet-Resh-Yud-Shin, is Rashi Tevot, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, which means the secrets of Torah. But the word Beresh is also Rabbi Yitzchak Ben Shimshon, which is the Arizal's name and Beresh, Bet Yuchin, is also Roshet Tevot, Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem and um, Beresh is Roshet Tevot, Rabbi, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak ben, ben Shmuel I mean, so he referred to his father-in-law as Beresh as that continuation of the process of bringing Mashiach Starting with Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai the Arizal the Baal Shem Tov and then his father-in-law the Riyat So this was in. Uh, he, he spoke about his father-in-law as being that the um, Mashiach. In in that that much he did say, and so people well,
1: did he say specifically he was pretty much
0: yeah, yeah. about well, his father-in-law. Much.
1: Yeah, meaning
0: you could probably spin your way out of it but as far as i understood um, he he said it yeah uh, and and we're going to talk about that cuz that's that's a big issue uh, all right i want to dive straight into the into the rambam because this is what the debate becomes about in the 1980s chabad started emphasizing openly the concept of mashiach teaching the world about mashiach meaning putting up Billboards that we have to bring Mashiach and and movements and the Chabad movement of spreading shluchim throughout the world. Everyone knows all about that. Where that's not our topic, but part of that was part of this messianic movement of the lamplighters going all over the world collecting sparks and lighting lamps in order to bring the geula. At some point, the Hasidim. Now, remember that the that the. uh, Levavitcher Rabbi placed great emphasis on the study of the Rambam he started this amazing um, um, system where some people learn the Rambam once every three years and some people learn it once every year and uh, the, a certain number of chapters per day and people do their daily Rambam uh, and part of that what, the, what he said was because the Rambam was the, only, was the only Shulchan Aruch who wrote not just on the laws of of the past and the present, but the Rambam also wrote on um, Malachot of the Atid of the future, and here's what the Rambam says: The imyamod melech mi Beit David. If a if a king from the house of David. Now, what's a melech? A king. What do what do we mean by that? Do we need someone to be a melech to be Omed today, or or does melech mean someone of regal stature and the royal descent? Melech zegam moach Moach Melech zegam
1: ma? Moach Moach,
0: Kaved Moach, Lev and Kaved Right, well that's that's also true Right. But, so you could read it that way From a Kabbalistic perspective, very good Right. The word melech is Moach, Lev and Kaved, which are the three Kings of the body, right? Okay. He studies Torah. Now, would you say about the Lubavitcher Rebbe that he studied Torah and did mitzvot? I think we'll all give him that, right? Even his biggest opponents. And he subdues and converts all the Jewish people to follow the Torah. And to strengthen Hashem, and he will fight the war of God. So, if someone is trying to spread Torah to all the Jews and fighting the war of God, you know that in Lubavitch, all the kids are part of a club. You know what that club is called? Tzivot Hashem, the army of God. Right there, that's Hareza Mashiach. Says the Rambam, that person has a chazaka that he's Mashiach. In the Rambam writes that if there's a, a a Melech mi Beit David who studies Torah he's a, he's a tzaddik and a Tamit Chacham and he gets other people to also observe the Torah and Mitzvot and he fights the war of God which is undefined so for example when the Lubavitcher Rebbe tried to submit to Congress to make the seven Noahide laws part of American law so he might call that Mulchamot Hashem I don't know okay Im Asavihitzliach if he succeeds, and he defeats all the nations around him, Ubanam Mikdash Bim Komo and he builds the Baita Mikdash, Vikibetnit Yisrael Haraiza Mashiach Bavada Sliakko, and if he did not succeed, on Neharag, Byyadua Sha Aino Zashev Tiko um, but if he fails, or if he's killed, then that's a sign that, that uh, he was just here to test us. He's not a real Mashiach. So the Hasidim argued all the way back in the 80s and 90s that, that if we're talking halachically speaking, then the Lubavitcher Rebbe qualifies.
1: He didn't build a debate
0: he he didn't do the second part which is to make him Mashiach bevadai but he did the first part to be bechezkat shehu Mashiach this is their argument I understand Um, okay so the thing is there's another point you have to remember is that there is a teaching that's brought down in our tradition that in every generation there is what we call a potential Mashiach this is a tradition that we have, that in every generation there is someone who if this door was zakai, was meritorious enough to have a Mashiach, this is who would be the Mashiach. Not everyone agrees with this. And there are those who say that only when he needs to be, that's when he comes. But it seems that there's this other tradition. And that's why, for example, the Arizal told Rabbi Chaim Vital that if that generation would have deserved a Mashiach then the Chaim Vital was going to be Mashiach ben Yosef that's what, that's what the Arizal told him now the generation didn't deserve so it didn't happen but if you learn that every Mashiach I'm sorry, every generation has a Mashiach so I ask you a question this is a very important question and I'm not the one who invented this question but this is the question that this whole controversy is based on if not the Lebavitcher Rabbi then who? if you believe that every generation has a Mashiach and the way that you know that he's Mashiach is two stages there's some information which gives him the status of Cheskat Mashiach and then there's a later stage when more things happen where he becomes Mashiach Bavadai so who else other than him in terms of a Tzaddik who studies Torah and who increases the observance of Torah and Judaism amongst other Jews and fights the war of God who else if not him ok so I, I want to point this out in Labavitch, there is no question that there is no one close to the Rebbe in their eyes not only will, will someone who is a Hasid of Chabad a, 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 a Labavitcher Hasid believe that the Rebbe was the greatest tzaddik of the generation but he won't even understand how you could not agree cannot fathom that there should be anyone who should think because especially if you think about it they're raised, he was Rebbe for a very long time so virtually all of the Hasidim were raised as children revering and respecting this man like he was Moshe Rabbeinu like he was connected to God on a level above all human beings they felt like he didn't belong in this generation that he was an exception to all of humanity that he was uh, a level above most people. Not... Uh, people get confused when they hear this. They go, oh, he's an angel? No, he's not an angel. Is he like a god? No, he's not a god. No one thinks that the Bavitcher Rebbe is a god. Anyone who, anyone who thinks that they think that is crazy. And of course there are crazy people. There's people who think that they're god. There's people who think all kinds of crazy things. I just put anything into Google if you want to look for craziness. It's not... There there are crazy people. Well, we don't emphasize crazy people. I remember. Um, I remember, and uh, you know, let me hold on to that. Okay, so so in Labavitch, they were convinced they were sure, and so they tried to impress on the Rebbe. Well, if you're Mashiach, then just come out already, right? Just reveal yourself, and let's end this galut. Generally speaking, he was very dismissive, meaning he said, I'm not Mashiach, and he said that a number of times. But everybody knows that the best way to convince people that you are Mashiach is by doing what? Telling them that you're not, right? He's not the Messiah, he is the Messiah, it's not just a joke, it's it's, it's real, that's the way it works, that's the way human beings behave. So, so the more that they were saying to him, "You're it, you're the tzaddik," the more he was saying, "No, I'm not." The more the tzaddik said, the more the people say, oh, that really is proof, right?" There's no. And he said that once. He said, "I, I, I would tell them, I because they were they were singing a certain song. You all know the song. They were singing a certain song. He said, if I if I tell them to stop, they're not going to listen. So what's Okay, whatever. Let's just wait till they're done."
1: they want to say that he introduced the term of keruv that wasn't before, because they know in Israel Haredim tries to be by themselves, because they are afraid that people will, uh, in the sheila. that they would... Uh, after right. all, when you think about Israel, all the grandparents were Orthodox and everybody became secular. Right. So the Haredim has a tendency to be by themselves. They don't want any interaction with the secular, and the Lubavitch is the only form of Hasidic who broke it, and started the yeah,
0: yeah, it's an excellent point, and that, that is one of the advantages. Again, the whole everything about the Chabad movement is too much for us to discuss today, but, but that's part of it, is the, the Kirov movement, the, the Shlichos, all over the world, and, and even the fact that they embraced... Um, things like television, radio the internet and they use it at Chabad.org online y- you, could, you could become a world class Talmud Chacham just from that website that's, that's, it's an incredible the amount of stuff that is put out. but again it all gets mixed in with this controversy because at the same time that you're doing all this and you're, the opponents are coming out and they're saying what are you doing for the sake of your Meshachistin ideas, you're sending kids, yeshiva boys, onto college campuses. You're, you're, you're sending people away from living in a Jewish community, and, and you're, you're endangering the welfare of their children, and it's pretty incredible, the, the miracles. I, I should, not every case of the shluchim who have gone out been protected, and there's been a lot of terrible tragedies, um, spiritually speaking but there have been a number of miracles that can be seen about how good the children are even though they're raised in the middle of a wilderness and yet they somehow manage to keep their kids um, connected it's, it's pretty incredible but, but, but that was all the controversy so Rav Shach when he came out against the Lubavitcher Rebbe and then after him others and, uh, and a lot within the Hasidic movement as well but mostly within the world of the Misnagdim. they they came out very strongly to the point where they felt that they were borderline stepping outside the boundary of what's considered um, Torah-observant Orthodox Judaism. So here you have one group that's trying to bring Mashiach, where they are um, believing that they've got it all figured out and we're and then there's another group of Torah observant Jews who are saying about them that they're heretics they're apicorsim and they're, they, 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 they sh- they're outside of the pale this kind of thing creates a very very difficult struggle amongst the Jewish people and, and there's really no room for discussion when, when the Hasidim after the Rebbe had his stroke in, in the early 90s um, the, the, he had a terrible stroke and at that point um, uh, he wasn't as so much involved then many of these um, Hasidim who were trying to push the Messianic aspect of the Lubavitcher Rebbe um, they kind of took over and, and the whole movement became so much about Mashiach and many of them declared that he was Mashiach Mashiach is here
1: Most of the Shluchim did not.
0: Most did not. When the Rebbe passed away in 1994, it was such a shock, such a shock to the entire system of Lubavitch. Such a shock. Many people thought that this would be the end of Lubavitch. They thought this would be the end of Chabad. They couldn't survive without a Rebbe. Because so much of the identity of the movement was intertwined with the personality, this giant personality of the Rebbe. And that it was just a shock to some people. And I I want you to know, the point that you just made about a small group, I was at the Levaya. I was at the Levaya of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of people there. I was outside 770 and there were five people and maybe two kids standing in a circle singing Yichay Adonin. out of thousands of people what do you think the newspaper said? I was there, I watched it I saw this little circle everyone just walked past them you know. but these are people in shock these are people who are who have just experienced possibly the greatest loss of their life Possibly. The greatest loss of their life. And you know what? They cope how they cope. But after, after the Rebbe is, passes away, Levavitch is now a little bit hanging in the balance. Then Levavitch splits. Of course, the larger group said, listen, the Rebbe was the Mashiach of the generation. Or, let's say, may have been the Mashiach of the generation in the terms but he wasn't meaning he wasn't going to come it could be our fault it could be whatever but the the attempt failed we'll have to try for the next one and here's the we'll do it without him through him, with him meaning they'll take all uh, another thing I haven't even touched on is the, is the um, sort of Lubavitch monopoly, um, uh, not monopoly, but there uh, uh, should be a better word for it, but this emphasis on the Rebbe, where they won't, if you go to Lubavitch Shul, they won't quote to you, um, you know, this is what it says in the Khatam Sofer, or in, oh, in, the, in the, the, the this. Generally speaking, I understand the, the, with the exceptions, but, but generally speaking, they're bringing and teaching quotings from the Rebbe. So because of that, then because the Torah is so bound into the Rebbe, it becomes hard to carry on the mission without this great personality still in the world. And then you've got the people who insist that he never died. And again, I'm going to make the same point again. It doesn't matter about the size of the group. That kind of group makes a lot of noise because people are interested in controversy and people are looking for, for trouble and people are always looking always looking to create issues and that's you know, part of the Sinat Chinam issue that's, that's tearing us apart but, but it is not. that's not just five people that's a, that's a group and they believe either the Rebbe um, never died or that the Rebbe is coming back there are some Midrashim that suggests that Mashiach comes and then disappears and then comes again for reality. There is a Midrash like that. It's a, uh, it, it, there, there, there's also a suggestion in the Talmud that Mashiach could be from someone who's already left the world if you read the Talmud in a certain way. But the generally accepted approach is that Mashiach is someone in this world and you know what that's been the belief of the, of the Lubavitch movement all this time why did they pick the Rebbe why did they say the Rebbe is Mashiach? because he was the greatest Tamil Chacham of the generation in their eyes and he was the greatest Tzaddik um, of the generation in their eyes and he was the greatest Lochem Mochamot Hashem in their eyes well what about 500 years ago what about the Balshem Tov the answer is they already left the world right so that means that part of the concept of believing Mashiach is understanding that it's this generation. Which is why when the rabbi passes away, most of the Hasidim say, okay, the, it, it failed. The, um, however, the opponents of Lubavitch believe that most Lubavitch Hasidim do still believe that the rabbi is Mashiach. There is this
1: They Uh, need to keep
0: that alive. Right. (laughs) That there is this approach within that you know. For example, I'm going to say the words, but um, it's not my position. But this is a criticism that was levied that every chabatska is a closet mesechist. That's the term that was used. Every chabatska is a closet mesechist. And it's, hard, it's, it's very harsh and horrible. First of all, you shouldn't generalize like that about groups of people in general. I'm only repeating it because we're learning and teaching the controversy. I only have five minutes left, so I'm going to skip where I'm going. And I want to, I want to share one more very important point. If you ask me my personal opinion, my personal opinion... No one should be interested in my personal opinion. But if you ask me my personal opinion, I would say, who am I? I don't, what do I know? Right? When, when, did I, when did I get into the secret club when God shares with me anything about Mashiach? So, I don't know. I don't know anything. What do I know? And that should be the attitude of everyone. But you know what? You know what? There's some people who believe that they know. They know. The Talmud tells us the Talmud tells us that there are some things that are there are some things that come when you least expect it. Whatever it is. The Talmud tells us the Mashiach comes when you don't expect it. What does that mean? We also have a concept where our sage said Te'pach atzman shal that those people who calculate Mashiach is coming in the year or whatever they should blow up they should spontaneously combust when do our rabbis start levying curses in the Talmud it's because our sages understood how dangerous this, like okay you believe in Mashiach but once you start throwing out dates you cause more harm so here's what I'm saying there's a concept of liba la puma which means that there are certain things that you believe in your heart but you don't say them out loud not because not because you're embarrassed about them, not because you're ashamed of them but because there's some things that are better off kept inside and you know what Mashiach is not going to come because a bunch of Hasidim are going to declare their Rebbe to be Mashiach and force him to take on a role that, that he doesn't want to take on. It's not going to happen. In fact, if you believe your I once met a, a Hasid. I met a Hasid. And we got into a discussion about Lubavitch. He was not a Lubavitch Hasid. And he said to me, yeah, I don't understand why they believe that the Rebbe was Mashiach when my Rebbe is Mashiach. That's what he said. So, so, so I said to him... But your Rebbe is a Levi, and the Rambam says he has to be me Beit David. So he says, "Listen, once my rabbi reveals himself to be Mashiach, he'll write a complicated pilpul to explain how he could be Mashiach, even though he's from Shevet Levi." Right? So obviously he's joking, right? Is he joking? Is he not joking? I don't know. But the point is, though, that you know, even if you believe something like that, you don't have to declare it. You don't have to say it out loud. On the contrary. By doing that, you're doing what we call being dochik the case. You're forcing it, even if you believe it to be true. Think about it, believe it, hope for it, but you don't have to declare it. Why are you declaring it? Why are you declaring it before He declares it? Why are you declaring it before God declares it? It's because you are so much wanting for Mashiach to come that you are willing to tell God enough already we'll do it on our own and that is a very dangerous thing to do because you just you don't know what's happening in the upper world you don't know you don't know what the system is and the way things are supposed to be and when the human beings beings try to take control of of God's plan it doesn't work And to some extent, you have to wonder, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying this. I'm just saying, you have to wonder about this. If it's possible that the fact that the Hasidim pushed harder than they could, creating the controversy, they they pushed harder than they should, creating the controversy, maybe that created too much dispute and struggle, which actually got in the way of, of of their hopes and dreams. But today, where we are today, where we are today, is that there are Chabad Hasidim, most of whom believe that the Rebbe should have been the Mashiach of the generation, but because it didn't happen, we have to wait for the next chance, whatever that is, and they believe, are those who still believe that the Rebbe is coming back, that's their, that's their thing. But I think the bigger issue is the different varied perspectives outside of Chabad towards Chabad which ranges anywhere from some people who are very accepting and wanting of the Torah of Chabad without necessarily all of the, the this and there's people who are uh, um, connected because they were mukurov through Chabad but there's uh, and it goes, ranges all the way to the other extreme of people who, can, who, who won't allow um, you to eat from Shechita by a Chabad Chasid. that's very extreme and those
1: doesn't accept expect- so he's,
0: you know, but there are groups of, of those who consider the entire group to be outside of the pit. And this is where our issues lay. And I, I, this is our final dispute. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.